You are listening to KYRS Medical Expo Can 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Outspoken. Hey, it's the first show of 2016. 2K16. It takes me about yeah. mm, a month or two. Yeah, there goes all of January. And then yeah. February has 28 days. So right, so it takes me a little while to get 2016 yeah. in my head. Right, exactly. You know, so here we are, first show of the new year. It only gets better from here. It only does. I've heard rumors of that, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> rumors are rumors. Right. Bigger, Let's make it happen. Awesome, even more awesome guests. Oh, yeah. Even more awesome fun from your boys. Oh, definitely. Uh, just a year that's going to be fun. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Groundbreaking. Outstanding. Yeah, there so. are going to be some new things coming for sure this year, so get excited and listen all year, folks. Yeah, and then go in. If you haven't listened to the show, you can always go listen to us on iTunes, so yep. remember to go there and look for Outspoken and rate us uh, on there as well. But So, we've you survived New Year's Eve. I survived New Year's Eve. I was uh, I was in Canada, Vancouver, BC. Went with my boyfriend to exactly. the BC areas. Yeah, and we're going to be talking a little later about how fun that was. It, yeah, <laughs> and you you also traveled. I finally saw my family. Yeah. So I didn't get to see them on Thanksgiving, and I didn't get to see them on Christmas. And my mother was threatening to call in the Coast Guard. <laughs> so all uh, of the family, yes, all of the family came up from Oregon, and then. All the places that they are, and then I went to Wenatchee. Oh, yeah, fun. I mean, that is... The metropolis of all metropolises. And it it never ceases to amaze me how small it feels there. Yeah. And you know, it's always... When you move away from home, you've been away for a while, and you lived in different cities. It's always an interesting experience going home again. Um, Right. Just because, first, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. I'm going to write a book someday about it. (laughs) But, you know, it's all of the, it's just a different place. And it is so, it's so small. Like, I remember feeling like it it was like this whole world when I lived there. And now I'm just like, how do you even, how? How do you exist in this small place? You know, you can get from one end of it to the other in like 15 minutes. Which is crazy. And then you're done. Which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I can't get to the studio in less than 20. Yeah. So from where right. I am. So. And me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it takes a bit like to get an there. hour. Yeah. Well, Kurt, Kurt's not even in Spokane. He's in, he, he's, he's actually, a, he in is Canada. in Canada. Yeah. That's what he it feels there. like. He watched my, he watched my little Roscoe while I was gone though. Oh, that's so Roscoe sweet. Roscoe had a little day with other dogs. Yeah. And he loves it there because Kurt has he four does. dogs and yeah. And then he was babysitting yeah. another dog. And, Aww. but what's funny about, um, Roscoe is so we do the exchange. Right. So before I left town, we I came downtown and we did the pass off at the, where Kurt works yeah. during the week. <laughs> yeah, and he had Roscoe. And then on today we thought let's not bring Roscoe to the studio. We'll just I'll just get him early. Yeah. So we we meet up at a Starbucks and we do the exchange. And my dog is always typically exhausted mm-hmm. after the play date, but he's just sitting. So we get him in the car and he's acting a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting in the passenger yeah. seat and the whole time home he's not laying down and resting. He's just staring at me. <laughs> and he really looked like a stoner. Yeah, well, like, I feel I mean, like he got into some pot. He did with Kurt. Tried yeah. it out <laughs> with Kurt. Kurt, and he's just like, "Hey, uh, 
How are you? It's been a while. (laughs) Then I get him up to the house, and he's just like not impressed with me at all. Yeah. So we get into the apartment, and (laughs) he's he's like, He's seen you before. Yeah, just sitting on the couch, Uh, looking at me like, Dude, hey. (laughs) It was the weirdest thing. So I'm excited Uh, later to go home and stare at him back and see. (laughs) Stare at him back. Yeah, I'm just going to stare at him. Or maybe he'll have the munchies by then. You Uh, know, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. There you go. He's he's very at an odd point, <laughs> and he could only give me a wag and a half. Yeah, because I was like, "Are you at least happy to see, Papa? Is this a thing?" <laughs> and so he did, his tail was just like one wag and part, and then he's like, ah, "That's all I got. And that's it. I'm done." <laughs> so that should tell you that I like you, but but stop I'm talking and little, leave. Right. A little buzz right, right now. Right. So he's a, yeah. So my dog is a pothead today. Uh, <laughs> I'm it's glad. A thing. See. I, if I had a dog, I'd take it to Kurt's all the time, especially when it was really rowdy. Be like, "All right, you yeah, need to see your uncle right. Kurt." All that right, is the best. Go. And then he'll. Uh, my favorite thing is so Kurt lives yeah. on a farmy type. He area. does. He has, a lot, he has a lot of land. Roscoe is a little Dotson, so he has his legs are like an inch, you know. Mm-hmm. But he will run because we. I take him off the leash out there. At my apartment, for some reason, he can't be trusted, so he has yeah. to be on a leash. For some reason, he just is like will run away and never see him again. But yeah. at Kurtz, you can let him off the leash and he just does what he wants and he's good. Yeah. But he runs like he's a greyhound out there. Oh my it's goodness. the funniest thing. Just like, yeah. Yeah. And his tiny little legs, he hops. Yes. And, yeah. and he's so happy. I'm like, what is wrong? <laughs> so I don't, if, I, if I was sweetie. insecure, I would have a complex, but mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. Not, not with, hey, I'm the man. So. Hey. Look. Right. Anyway, so that's fun. We have a fun show coming up for everybody today. We do. Today we're going to be talking to Garrick. Uh, we have played a song multiple times. We'll play it again today, uh, Save the Queen. He has a new EP coming out, so we'll be talking to him exactly. a little bit about that. And he is actually, the reason we're playing this song again is we may have, and a lot of gay audiences might have yeah. found him online because he's been on uh, New Now Next and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on YouTube, but he's never had a national release of the song. And it's, an, it's a fun song. I really it like is. It. Great song. He's never had a national release. Uh, Save the Queen is going to be a national release. So it's going to, this is your Spokane debut. Actually, it's a music show because we also have your Spokane debut from someone else who has been, who actually is everywhere anyways. Yeah. And he's our special guest for he the second is. hour. Logan Lynn. We've, we've talked to him before, but he's coming back talking to us about his new single coming out uh, that came out and his new album exactly. dropping later this year. I know. And it's called The One. And I have to say, it's very catchy. And I've listened to it a it million times. Catchy. This is the single, the one. Came out January 1st. Yes. This will be the first radio airplay of it in Spokane and mm-hmm. surrounding areas. Um, but we love Logan Lynn. Logan's been on the show before. He's very passionate. He's an activist. He's passionate about a lot of things. He's amazing. I'm excited to talk to him about what it was like to make this new album, the new single, the video, as well as he is very passionate when it comes to being an activist and working within the mental health system that's something very important one of his full-time jobs is to work with one of the largest mental health organizations within oregon how do you balance that and does he what does he see for the new year what does he see what are his goals what are his uh new challenges i mean amongst the new album excited to talk to him but before we get there first hour remember every month Every month, we have our sex doctor to talk about your sex questions. Mm-hmm. Damon Jacobs. Damon Jacobs. And we're excited because uh, more, more. we keep giving him questions, and he keeps yeah. answering. Always a very educational and fun segment. When It's we, one of my favorites. We call him the sex doctor. Yeah. When he's on... Um, and he's because he's really good. Yes, and uh, I will. I think every time he's on, I'm going to keep reminding people that he has two books out because I'm dying to read them because I he's know. so good. It's uh, it's Im- it's incredible. 
So he's going to be on in a few minutes. Yes. Um, but we're going to have Garrick on first. He's, hey, when you're, he knows he's going to be that famous. Um, so he's just a one name. He's a one man. He's, he's just Garrick. Man that's it. He's that's, just Garrick. That's how you do so it. So actually, any second now, we are going to let him introduce his brand new single to us. Until then, in the studio, you can catch us on that program, Periscope, right there. Um, Periscope, on your phones, you can see the live feed. I hear there might be today it's a, a bit little laggy. issue with, with the lag, but maybe where you are, because we have listeners all over the world. Yes. Um, Maybe you can get it to go because you can see kind of what it looks like in here. Today, you're going to see the boys bundled up in coats. It is cold. It is it, I, I don't, you know so what? Cold. Outside, it's it's about, you know, in the seven degree range. Yes. Um, seven to ten. And inside, I don't think it's very much warmer. I don't think it's, so. It's, Actually, I'm going to tell you, it says on my phone that outside yes. in New York, apparently. Oh, in New York. It says it's 19, but I'm going to tell you, it may be 19, but it feels like. It feels very cold. And it's not that, you're right, it's not that much warmer in the studio. No, Where Curter, our producer man is, behind the glass, it's much warmer. He gets, he for some reason gets the hot air. I think he fixed it. I think he did something. I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We because get the we cold. get cold. And cold, as it cold, blows cold. out of the fan that's above our heads, it's not warm. Oh, no, no. It's it feels like a solid, you know, 45. Right, it's great. Right. It's it's lovely. <laughs> so I'm not taking my coat off in no. studio. And mm-hmm. I have a sweater on, yeah. but it's no. We're just sticking here. Yeah. We'll just, we'll, we'll survive <laughs> it this way. Just um, this one time. You know, and every year it happens. Uh, someone asked me, because I was complaining about the cold, because what else do you do? Uh, this time of year. And they asked me, are you from Spokane? And of course, yes, I grew up here. Every year we get this cold, cold, cold couple weeks where it gets below freezing for a whole week and doesn't doesn't come out of freezing. It just stays there. Um, I don't know if this is it, but it's starting. Can it? Please. If If this is it, I'd be happy. When it's done, it's done. I will tell you this. I must be like childbirth because I don't remember it being like this, which is the only way I'm going to oh, survive yeah. this. So that could be true. But, you know, like they say with mm-hmm. childbirth, you have a kid. It's so painful. For some reason, you forget how painful it was. And then you it's have a, it. Yeah, right, right. So <laughs> I don't because I don't remember it being. But I'm sure it yeah. had to. Be. Oh, yeah. No, the last the last three years. Definitely. It's been very cold for at least a week. And oh, gosh, it's like the summer weeks we get where it's above 100. Right. Yeah. So mm, I'm missing Spokane. those right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and uh, it's funny we were we were sharing stories when yes. I was home for um, with my family, and it's funny because I hate this cold, but I have experienced worse. I used to mm-hmm. me and my ex, his family was in was in Wisconsin in oh, Milwaukee wow. actually. Oh no, and we would go up there oh, no. and we would go out with the, his brother and and uh, sister in law and we'd go to one of the local bars. Milwaukee is definitely a local bar town. Yeah. And go there. And then we would go outside because my sister-in-law and brother-in-law smoke. And I would be sweating from being in there because the heat would be cranked up. It's in the middle of winter. You go outside within seconds, your hair where you sweated is frozen. Oh, yeah. Like it's colder than cold, but I'm still going to complain here because it's a lot warmer here than it is. In yeah. Wisconsin, but I'm still going to complain. You know, and and that's the truth. I can. Be, <laughs> it's still cold. It's not as cold. You know, Kurt informed us that apparently uh, he's from Alaska originally, yeah. and uh, apparently in Alaska they're having a heat wave of minus ten. Right, that is How much har- hotter boy, than a, they're than in a shorts. Yeah, just out. <laughs> just <laughs> get your swim out. shorts. Get yeah. your uh, get, <laughs> bikini go bottoms. Get the tan. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the Go night outside. of the midnight sun there, or is it? I don't know how. Yeah, I. You know, I think 
that was the I heard 23rd. There was a song yeah, it's it's the longest that. day, longest night of the right uh, because they get a lot of dark and then a lot thing, of sun. Yeah. I don't know. yeah, right, right. Yeah. Or does that happen in the summer? I think that might happen I in have the no summer. Idea. <laughs> I Kurt, Kurt's the expert. Kurt's right. done that, but, but he doesn't get to talk. <laughs> but the other thing, yeah, that we have both done, but I have done a lot. Okay, I counted how many movies. I've watched in a oh, weekend. Oh, you have watched all of the movies. It was like a you? week thirty. I'm just gonna say thirty. So it's very much week? been a been a week. I mean, been a movie time. Yeah, I and I don't know how you do it. How do you fit in all of your movie times? That's a lot of movie time. I, you know what? Apparently, I have no life. No, well, <laughs> I don't know that that's We're true. You were just visiting like your that. family for so long. Um, I do want to say. So the Curter part of his producing job is he sends us notes. Yeah, you know, he just brings in. Anyways, he just wanted us to be aware. In Alaska, there's winter time, two to three months in winter where it's no sun at all. Oh, right. wow! And so there you go. That's your little trivia thing. There you go. So maybe that's happening right that. now. But anyways, I'm, movies, I'm movies, not, movies. Not that's that. been the. Yeah, that's 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 your life. What was the last movie you watched? Um. <laughs> oh, but you can't remember that. <laughs> that's because they all bleed together. <laughs> I I will say I'm addicted to Vacation. Yeah. That is the best movie. So funny. So funny. Like, it's one of those movies, you always worry that you'll see all the best in previews. Yeah. You know, and then yeah, you yeah, watch yeah. the movie and you're like, oh. Well, I already yeah. saw that. Yeah. No. Really good. Yeah. Really funny. So I quote that movie and I quote, like I did sure, last show, sure, sure. Pitch Perfect 2. Yes. Those are my yes, two comedies mm-hmm. that I watch. I don't remember. I saw Lucy. Mm. Lucy and? with, um, what's her name? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I watched that I before that. I went and saw my, left town and went to see my family. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Because I like cerebral movies like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. heard it was it was very much that. Yeah, about how much capacity mm-hmm. of your brain mm-hmm. do you use and what happens if you're able to unlock all of it. More of your brain's yeah. capacity. But but see, I think that whole movie's based on kind of a uh, a misconception. But we'll Well, it's a sci-fi later. movie. Right. So well, yes, yeah, it's so not based <laughs> on fact by any means. <laughs> it isn't a documentary. Uh, okay. It is, <laughs> it is uh, a it sci-fi be. movie. Yeah. Sergey's like, well, you know, I have unlocked a lot of my brain. Yeah, I actually don't. I just know. want you to know that that's not yeah. true. <laughs> I've unlocked ninety eight percent. so right. I know what happens um, every time. You don't get superpowers. I have. Sure. Right. That's not true. I have unlocked none. <laughs> so I basically yeah. work at a one percent. Yeah, you're just process. you're just there. You're like, all right, maybe maybe I'll skip two or three. Right? You know what movie looks good though? While we're waiting for uh, Garrick to phone in on uh, on our show. We, you and I went to see Star Wars. Yes. Um, and I, we won't talk about it just in case. You no know, spoilers, but no so spoilers, good. So good. Uh, but there was a, a a trailer for a movie called Zoolandia where the little bunny police cop walks into the uh, <laughs> the DOL office and all of them sitting there are sloths. <laughs> And, and it's, it's awesome. so true. And it's it's hilarious. And his friend keeps telling him, no, this is the, the this guy is the we're at now. He's sloth. the fastest one. He's the fastest like, one. Like, you won't even believe it. And he's so slow. It is <laughs> it's the amazing. best preview. Go yeah. watch it. Go yeah. watch it. Go watch I can't it. wait for this movie, though. I know, right? It's going to be hysterical. Yeah, it looks, it looks hilarious. Yeah. So I do know that the Curter Man, back behind the glass, does have our first guest of the New Year show yes. on there. And we are going to just speak briefly and then listen to a really fun song. Mm-hmm. Um from an artist that I I think we're going to see a lot more from on yeah, a I think so. international level. I think this is uh you know his his launch to a national career here. Yeah, first of all singer-songwriter, yes. which always a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. And he's got 
So here's the thing. He's got a really unique sound. I mean, he you does. know he's got some influences in there, but really unique sound. We're going to have him tell us how he would describe mm-hmm. that sound. Um, well, and he has a very unique style as well. Uh, watching his music videos, you can kind of see kind of a mix very of... Very visual. Yeah, very visual. Very performance art. Yeah. Uh, a lot like Lady Gaga, but mixed say, with very uh, Gaga Adam Lambert, for me, is right. what, what I would call it. Yeah, so I'm interested in hearing yeah. a little more from him because you may hear it here first, but I'm pretty sure you're going to hear a lot more from him. Uh, you are this year, to, yes. um, as always, we have to wait for Curter has to, you know, they have to exchange recipes and, you know, life stories and, and things like that before Kurt lets anyone on the line. But uh, without any further ado, let's talk to New York based singer songwriter uh, Garrick, who is joining us on Outspoken. Garrick, are you there? Yes, sir. Hello. 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 Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? We are great. You know, we're excited. I actually ran into some of your music, uh, must have been a couple of summers ago. Mm-hmm. And so we were really excited to hear that you are hitting, uh, this is, the single we're going to be talking about today is being released nationally as part of your new EP. Is that right? Yes. Save the Queen. Save, Save the, the queen. queen. That's the one. Now, what's Save the name? Save that Queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we need saved every day here. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> What's the name of your new EP, and what is your plan in this new year to get out there in the music? Um, the new EP is called Take the King, Volume 1, um, implying that there will be a Volume 2. Sure. <laughs> All right. yeah. um, and sorry, what was the second question? And so what are you going to do this year? Because, I mean, it's not like you haven't been out there working and doing some great stuff. But what are you doing this year to push it more into an international level? Uh, Well, we released it nationally, internationally, actually, to radio and a few video distributors. Mm -hmm. So when I put it out a few years ago, I just put it out. Mm-hmm. For fun, I sure. I made the video with a bunch of friends and the song, and made my own YouTube channel and put it out there. And then I started getting some attention for it. Um, and I did some gigs here in the state, and I also did London Fashion Week. So it got me uh, it got me a decent amount of traction as far as an independent artist goes. But I wanted to do a proper release, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. it would be a bigger one to actual outlets. And so it went out in November. It's on radio now. Uh, it debuted at number five on the indie rock chart. Oh, wow. Which wow. was kind of cool for me. That's yeah. I saw all the other names of bands I grew up listening to. And yeah. sure. there was Garrick saving the queen on there, too. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, so right now we're working on putting together a tour for early this year. Sure. Very nice. Well, you're you're very visual from the actual look that you do uh, on yourself to the video. It's a very visual style with your music. Is that on purpose? Yes. Yeah. Um, usually, if I write a song and I can't see myself doing a video or I don't get a visual for a video yeah. idea, then I don't do the song at all or don't finish oh, it. Oh, nice. Yeah. There has to be something that comes to mind. And it's usually not directly related to the song. It alludes to the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like Save the Queen, for example, is about a chess game. So I wanted it to be black and white. <laughs> oh, and sure. A sure. black army and a white army yeah. and stuff like that. But I didn't want two people sitting there playing chess. Yeah. yeah. As interesting as that is, yeah. if they weren't shirtless, nobody would watch it, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> so exactly. True. Yeah. That, that that would definitely be very boring. Now, 
what are your inspirations drawn for, uh, from? Where do you get your uh, ideas and you know inspiration for the songs and the music videos? For the songs, sometimes it'll come from an idea or concept, uh, like a chess game, yeah. or even just a title that I really like. Um, the songs kind of write themselves. I draw a lot of inspiration from the 90s. I'm a 90s oh, yeah. kid. Yeah. So that's Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Garbage, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Visually, sure, sure. I don't know. I'm actually not as into fashion as my videos might suggest. I really love sweatpants and slippers. <laughs> but uh, that, That's a fashion in, choice, yeah. Yeah, living in New York, it's kind of hard not to be inspired by anyone you're sure, with sure. or even if just walking around like I am right now. Now, as we tell us a little about the song we're going to hear for listeners now and then where they can get more on Garrick and your music. So, the song Save the Queen? Yes. Okay. Because um, uh, just introduce out- it, you know, tell the listeners something because that's the single we're going to be playing uh, right after this interview. Just give the listeners a little insight into the song. I wrote the song as an intern at a music production company. Mm-hmm. I wasn't an artist. The producers gave it to me as sort of a joke. They said, here, here's a song. Let's see what you can do with it. Okay. And I wrote the song, and they said, wow, this this doesn't suck. So <laughs> we want to do more songs with you. Sure, so, sure. And that's kind of where it went from there. Nice. Now, where can listeners, because they're going to hear this song on our show and they're going to fall in love with it, guaranteed, where can they get more information and get your music? All of my social media handles are Save Garrick. Okay. Like, Save the Queen. I'm yeah. just I'm a needy queen, so yeah. I need as much help <laughs> as I can get. So Instagram, Save Garrick, Facebook, Twitter. Um, my website has everything, that music, videos, photos, and that's Garrick, G-A-R-E-K, dot TV. Perfect. Dot com was taken. <laughs> right, right. Hey, it works. It keeps you unique in, all the way through, all the way. Well, thank you, Garrick, for taking time out to be with Outspoken this morning. We are going to let the listeners of Outspoken listen to Save the Queen right now. Be sure to visit Garrick.tv to get all the information you want on uh, this up-and-coming thing. You're going to want to keep an eye on him. Thank you, Garrick, so much. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And like we said, this is Garrick with Save the Queen. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And that was Garrick. That was Garrick. I just want to spell it because I really do. I do encourage you, if you like that song at all, to go check out more from him. And you can go to Mm -hmm. Garrick.tv. You spell his name G-A-R-E-K. Pretty sure this year it will get to be where you won't even have to... Think about spelling his name because I really think he's going to do some big things. I think so. In the UK, he's blown up a lot. Right. He's out of New York. And it's fascinating to me that... He was interning, and they're just like, this is a stupid song. Let's yeah, see what right, you yeah. can do with it. He's like, care. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's I amazing. It. I did it. And I do love that song. It's so good. Wash it's my very... hair and kiss my feet. Yeah. Hmm, that line. I know. It's so very... interesting. I f- hmm. But it's funny to me because he only has two or three originals and a few covers, but, yeah, but he's he has talented. so much exposure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So his yeah, yeah. new EP, as he said, is Take 
the King, Volume the King. One. And I love that he says it's alluded to that there's going to be Volume Two, which is thank goodness. I mean, if you're going to be new, you might as well like make it so they have to do a Volume Two. Exactly. <laughs> you might as well. Like, you, hey, it was in the first title. What am I supposed yeah. to do? <laughs> but uh, we two, love supporting well. new artists, and that's why we love having them on the show to introduce their songs. Uh, support is very spoke. It is very important. Outspoken receives support from Mediterranean Restaurant, Mediterranean-inspired cuisine featuring fresh Mediterranean, Persian, and Northwest ingredients. Serving lunch and dinner daily and brunch every Sunday. Located in downtown Spokane at 19 West Main Avenue. More information at 309-3116. Outspoken receives support from the Universalist Unitarian Church of Spokane, serving the community with a non-dogmatic religious environment. Welcoming all people regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, or physical ability. Information online at uuspokane.org or 509 509- Three two five six three eight three. Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at 232 West Sprague Avenue, more information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, visit pridefoundation.org. You know, it's, it's exciting for us to read all of those. <laughs> Because it is. I love it when we get this great support from the community around us. And so you, as listeners, might not uh, have the same goal as me, but I would love just, oh, it's taking me a half an hour to read the supporters. Because, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's amazing. So, anyways, we are just, just our personal moments. Okay, so maybe minutes away from welcoming uh, Let's Talk About Sex with the Sex Doctor, uh, Damon Jacobs, he is a relationship and sex therapist out of New York. So we're just moments away from that. Remember, if you hear questions or you are fascinated by getting basically free advice from a man who does this for a living, he's really good. Um, you can always email producer at hotmesssunday.com any questions you would like us to have Dr. Damon Jacobs answer for you. You can do that. He answers live on the air Every month without spoken. He's that first show of the month. Um, and he's more than happy to do it. He's very he's very excited. I was talking to him the other day. He wants to do what you listeners want him to do. So send those questions in. Your questions are always welcome. Then tune in and he'll give you some free advice. He will. You know he, what I mean? And, he, and the thing is, he's so great at that because he has the the background for it, the knowledge about it, but he gives you such an educated and well-informed right? answer. It's not just specific to that question. It kind of gives you a whole broad answer. It's a lot about communication as we've learned so Hugely, far. Hugely, right? Huge about communication. Well, I will say, I will go home after a show that we've talked to Damon on yeah. and he gives you a lot of food for thought. Yeah. Um, he's going to give you some ideas that maybe you have to process a little bit. Absolutely. You know, because yes. it's maybe not yes. the way you come at it. And so what I love is I keep learning every time you know, yeah. we talk to him, and that's just from the conversation we have on air. Mm-hmm. Let's, I mean, I feel very lucky because you and I, and even Curter, can talk to uh, Damon. You know, we can send him oh, an yeah. email, and he is Every time. always more than willing. Absolutely, right? He's so on top of it. And you know, uh, I had a I had a personal question for him that I asked him once, and then uh, he kind of addressed that on air through a different question. Mm-hmm. And from from all the. Uh, times that we've done this on air, he's he's been very helpful, especially to me in my relationship, right? And I'm sure to others. Uh, right. So it's so important that we have him on. I agree, all the time. and you know, uh, we have obviously human beings have been in relationships yes. for years, whether they were legally recognized or oh, not. Yeah, yeah. But now that we are allowed marriage, there are 
things that come up. We, mm-hmm. if unless we looked at our parents and decided to kind of morphos that relationship idea onto yeah, our yeah. lives, gay men didn't really grow up with examples of how we have we are able to make relationships work together. So it really is going to be a couple of decades of gay men and lesbians mm-hmm. stumbling through and trying through and trying to figure out how this works. Right. And what works. And maybe, maybe there's not really one solid answer. Maybe it's right. what works for you kind of thing. Exactly. But you're right. We didn't have, and, and maybe that's a blessing. Maybe, you know, not right. having that structured example, right. of this is what it has to be. Uh, for you to have a relationship exactly. as an Well, adult. and then as society becomes more progressive with our ideas, yes. that's what's fascinating because then, honestly, the, the options in relationships mm-hmm. have opened up. Yeah. They're, right. And because they're more permissive in society, there are a lot more options, not just the one pseudo-Christian option of how yes. a relationship yes. should work. So now, you know, it's that trying to figure out, mm-hmm. okay, so what for me is... Is yeah. going to work. What yeah. for me is okay. You know, because let's face it, the majority of our relationship style in the U.S. and our culture is very much based on pseudo-Christian beliefs. It is, yeah. Um, and it's very, uh, it's very male-dominant as well. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, so it's, it's fascinating to, to talk yeah. about these things and to find out. He always has some, because mm-hmm. I, hey, we both grew up in very uh, we did. religiously we did. based households. So it's very interesting to explore, even at my age. Um you know, at 40, trying to redefine what relationships mean, you know, as for me as a gay man. But Mm -hmm. without further ado, you know why we love him so much, but we know that you love him too. We are going to welcome back to the Outspoken program our very own sex doctor himself, Damon Jacobs. Damon, are you there? Hey, boys with a Z, how are you guys? (laughs) Hey, Hey, doing great. I hear you're warmer over there than we are here. I think so. You know, I was just in Southern California last week, and oh. it was warmer in New York than it was there. Isn't so that the strangest? The, oh, wow. I know, but yeah. hey, there you go. You know, this is that, that whole thing called winter. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that we yeah. love so much. You know, this we were talking earlier uh, before you called in. This is probably one of our favorite segments that we wait for. Because oh wow oh it, it really, really is, is. Yeah, absolutely it is <laughs> I have never learned so much and every time and I know from hearing back from listeners every time we get off the air I have things to think about for like a week that my brain mm. just has to to process the way you in, uh, you introduce new ideas so we are so thankful that you are are willing to do that with us. Oh, I'm thrilled to talk with you boys with a Z. And hopefully I'll be in your studio at some point in person. Hey, that is the goal. There. Yes. That is the goal. We would love that. Well, let's get <laughs> down to the nitty gritty and, get, yes. and start with these questions that we love so much. So I'm going to start with the first one for you. Uh, it says, okay. Dear, Dear Damon, I have been in a relationship for a few years now. Our sex drives are on different levels with mine on high and his more medium. We have discussed having a more open relationship in the past, and he adamantly refused to consider it. I love him, so I respected his wishes and have just tried to make it work. I recently discovered that he cheated with an acquaintance of ours. I'm confused and hurt. Why be so against an open relationship if you are just going to go outside of our relationship for sex anyways? Any thoughts before I approach him? Ouch. Ouch. Hurts. That really yeah. stings. I think wow. anyone listening who's ever been in that position can can feel the anguish and the confusion and betrayal that this man must be experiencing right now. Right. And just 
like, what? Why did this happen? I I offered an open relationship. How could yeah. this happen to me? Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think we all need to remember that sexuality is very complex, and most of what we learn, and especially as gay men, most of what we learn is that sex is bad, sex is immoral. Um, it's if you can't really experience too much pleasure, and if you do, there's going to be some sort of punishment you're going to have to suffer through if you experience too much sex and too much pleasure in your life. And so when you put all that together and you stir it around, you get people that are engaging in relationships that don't always have a lot of ability to engage in integrity. And like we said last time, integrity just means that your actions reflect your stated values. Right. So if you say you believe in monogamy, you don't just run around mm-hmm. and have sex with your acquaintances mm-hmm. without making an agreement with your primary partner. Right. But unfortunately, most of us weren't raised with those ideas. And most of us were raised that if we have sexual desires, that we should either suppress them, and I'm putting shoulds in quotes, mm-hmm. or keep repressing until sort of like a beach ball, they just kind of explode, and you do something that hurts other people. And I think that's the situation that this person is in. I have a feeling his partner, if we could ask him, is probably struggling with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of internalized homophobia. And instead of just being open about how he wants to express his body and his sexuality, he feels like he must go down low, undercover, and do it on the fly and hurt his primary partner. Um, And so that might explain. Now, that's not an excuse. Right. But that might explain. in terms of what does this guy do with all that information, I'd say if he thinks that there's trust that can still be rebuilt and there's still a relationship to salvage, get thee to a marriage counselor, ASAP, right. and um, you know, begin the channels of communication that might lead to more trust. Sometimes yeah. a betrayal like this can really be the breakthrough that helps two people engage in a much clearer relationship with more communication, with more integrity, with more compassion, that Mm -hmm. it takes something like this to make a relationship go forward. But other times people just can't get there. What do you guys think? That I think this would probably be one of the hardest because it it's so confusing. I would be so confused by I offered the and especially he's like in the one sentence he said how when his partner said that uh, he didn't want to consider this open relationship, and the partner says, "Well, I love him, so I respected his wishes," I would. That's where I feel like that's where that sentence of betrayal is. Right. That well, feeling of yeah. what are yeah. you doing? Exactly. I offered this to yeah. you, and you just decided and there's no to... no return of that respect because right. he respected his issues, but then there was no respect back, and he cheated. Yeah, right. that's that's tough. That that would be. I a would tough think situation. that would be the hardest. I I recently read something where it said um, the thing about relationships is actually nothing is a deal breaker. It depends on the the people involved. A relationship really can get through anything if you choose to let it. I think this would probably be one of the hardest challenges, though, to that statement. Do you think there is a a point of no return ever in a relationship? Um, You know, it's not for me to say, because I can't tell anybody what their threshold is for trust or for forgiveness. You know, we all have deal breakers. For me, personally, it's physical violence. Like, that's a deal breaker. There's no going back. There's Mm -hmm. no, we don't return from that. Um, There's direct, aggressive, verbal violence. That is also a deal breaker for me. But I have seen couples go through this and deal with some physical and emotional violence and find ways to work through it together and rebuild trust and rebuild connection after something like that happens. So I can't really tell anybody. 
Sure. Right? But sure. I say that if this guy thinks it's worth it, and if he thinks he can get through this with the partner, um, talk to somebody. Talk to a marriage therapist. Right. You know, it, it sounds like whatever's going on with his partner, and this is going to sound weird, but whatever's happening with his partner, it's really not personal to the person who wrote this letter. Yeah. Like, whatever he's working through, whatever issues, whatever dilemmas and confusion he's working through, I don't think it really has anything to do with the primary partner. And that's unfortunate, and that's not an excuse, but that could help put it into perspective in some way. Sure, right, right. sure. Well, I hope that... Uh... I hope you're listening this morning uh, to the person who wrote that in because some uh, really good things to think about. That, but I understand yeah, that it's yeah. it's probably very hard. So, well, but it's a rough it situation. Is. Yeah. Well, and let's let's move on to the next question here. Um, next person, dear Damon, I am a highly ambitious person. I am very focused on the goals I want to achieve. I have never been very good at balancing a relationship uh, within that highly focused world. Either I am full force on my lofty goals, or if I am in a relationship, I am in all I am all in, and my work suffers. So my life seems to go in cycles: a few really good years with my career, and then a few good years with someone I care about. As I am getting older, I am wanting to learn how to have two rewarding parts of my life come together. I have been focusing on work for a few years now, and I can't afford to let it go. But I want to get back into dating again. Any advice? <laughs> Oh my goodness! This person this reminds me of every New Yorker I know. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of myself. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really great question, um, and I think that the key here, and I said this earlier today and before, it comes back to integrity mm. and how you communicate with somebody you're dating. I don't think you have to give both. I don't think it has to be either or. I, I think you can have work that's really meaningful and purpose filled. Purpose built, and and I think you can also have a relationship and date in a really meaningful, present way. But it does mean for the individual who's balancing this that they learn how to be present in both both of those different worlds. So that when you're at work, you're present with your work. When you're dating and you're on a date with somebody, you're present with that person, and that you talk about this with your the person you're dating, and you just show up with integrity and say, you know what? Sometimes my work's got to come first. Sometimes you're going to come first. And let's talk about how we can communicate and navigate through these different areas so that we can get do this together. But I think communication and integrity here are really key to this very, very, very slippery, tricky balance that he's trying to achieve. Right. And, you know, what's funny is I, we hear these, these questions, we hear this from uh, this person writing in. It sounds a lot like the role we put women in for so many years, and then that that struggle that a lot of women had with, you know what, I'm allowed to go out and have something fulfilling outside of this household, but I now I don't, because it's all new, I don't know how to balance the two. It sounds like a human question that we all tend to struggle, or a lot of people tend to struggle with. I agree. It is definitely something we've, we've heard women talk about a lot since, mm-hmm. you know, the 80s and onward. Right. It's this home and work balance. And it is a balance, and I, I think the, but getting this balance is a process. It's never perfected. Sure, I don't think it's ever sure. like, okay, I perfected it, and now we don't have to <laughs> right, worry about right. it. Uh, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. It's an ongoing process <laughs> right, of taking right. care of yourself. Um, but I do believe it's possible, and I know it's possible. Um, yeah. And it's very helpful to make this possible when you have a partner who you can communicate with 
um, and run all this by. So you don't have to continue to think, oh, am I neglecting my partner? Am I doing this right? Am I guilty of something? Right. Talk about it. Ask your partner. Well, and I think something that you've, you've said on a few of our shows now, I think also rings true here, which is as long as you are honest with yourself about what you want, that's going to help. You know, as long as you, you are, you know, aren't trying to delude yourself in different things, as long as you know who you are, this is what you want, and that you truthfully want to balance this, I think that's a huge step to just have that. Yeah. Yeah, be honest. And again, be present. And when I say present, I mean, if you're going to date, turn off your phone. Sure. You know, don't yeah. work yeah. while you're on the date with this person. Right. You know, be present. Show up. Have a good time with the person you're with. Put work to the side so that when you're at work, just be very focused and present and committed to the work you're doing, which hopefully is meaningful and important to you. Exactly. See, yeah, I think that's amazing. That is one of my toughest things ever <laughs> is to be what? able to Would separate, is to be able to do that. I'm not good at balance. I'm, I am hyper-focused, which is good at times and not good at times because... I I get in projects and then everything else kind of fades away. It's that project for however long it takes. So this is a lesson I'm learning as I turn 40 and and have to figure it out. So I, I find this question very helpful. <laughs> yeah, it is a great, great question. And I think many, many people, especially in New York, yeah. all over are struggling with these issues. Yeah, yeah. There is, there's always hope for what we want. Let's move on to the next question that we have. We have, Dear Damon, a good friend recently told me that even though I am in a monogamous relationship, that me and my boyfriend should be tested regularly. First of all, so it's two questions here. First of all, is that a valid suggestion? Second of all, how would I even approach that with my boyfriend sounding like I don't trust him and then maybe make him distrust me? So let's start with, Ooh. is it a valid question? Okay. Well, I'm really glad this is being asked. So let's break this down. Let's begin with the first question. Okay. okay. Is this a valid suggestion? Yes. Well, according to the CDC and according to the research done by Patrick Sullivan of the CDC, most new HIV transmissions in the United States now, at this point in time, the majority of new infections take place in the context of a, quote, main relationship. Oh, wow. Where there is often a presumption of monogamy, but not an actual practice of monogamy, so that partners are being exposed to HIV without even knowing it. And this is why the government is now funding what's called the Testing Together Program in many, many cities, so that clinics and agencies can facilitate a conversation with couples mm-hmm. and test them and help them find out, you know, create negotiations and boundaries about whatever it is they need to. So, sure, sure. you know, that's, I think, where the logic is coming from. And that's why this would be a valid suggestion statistically. Because if you're in a primary relationship, it is possible, if you're mm-hmm. sexually active mm-hmm. with your primary partner, you could be getting exposed to HIV and not knowing it. That doesn't right. mean you are. It just right. means you could be statistically, according to the CDC research. Right. So then breaking down the second part of that question, how would you approach him? Um, I, I think testing is always, and just healthcare and, and keeping up with one's physical health is always a, a, an important positive step. Right. And I think it can be done without sounding like you don't trust somebody, but saying, hey, you know, I heard on the radio that, you know, the CDC is saying that 68% of new HIV infections now take place in the context of a main relationship. And I also think it's just good for us to get tested and get screened and mm-hmm. always just know the state of our physical health. Why don't we do that together? Right. Sure. 
you can make but it a bond. Something that you're doing together as right, a really, right. really affirmative, positive step, not like a punishment, not like I right. don't trust you. So yeah. like, right. get you to the clinic right now right. if you're telling the truth. Not like right. that. Don't do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> that might go wrong. <laughs> That's not bonding right there. No. <laughs> That's not bonding. No. <laughs> but yeah, I think if you make it a together thing, a bonding, a relationship activity, it does change the way perception mm-hmm. is of that, you know, maybe that conversation. Sure. But for some people, I know that even suggesting any sort of test is the is essentially putting and and accusing someone well you're going to cheat on me at some point we have to get tested how do what what part of the relationship conversation is that uh, cuz that sounds like a lot of mistrust in the first place to me if someone's not you know not willing to have this conversation and automatically assuming these things well i think it's it's been logical most yeah. people and this is straight and gay most people are not monogamous mm-hmm. some people are but most people are not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean anyone's doing something wrong. It just means it's like, okay, I am going to protect my body, and I think we could do this together. And again, make this a regular part of our health care. Not just about STIs and HIV, but, you know, think about how we can be proactive and responsible and empowered about our health care. Yeah. And being tested regularly for STIs and HIV is just one of the ways that we can be proactive about supporting each other's medical health. It doesn't mean anyone's lying or cheating. It just means we want to take a proactive stance and um, be proactive instead of reactive about this. Right. And something that's great now is a lot of our uh, just primary health doctors can do that for us. It can be just part of our trip to the doctor anymore. It doesn't have to be, uh, for everyone, a special trip to a different facility. And that might help in that as well. But I totally under- hear what you're saying, Sergey. Of mm-hmm. it's going to be that because we're not used to being this open with each other, I don't think it's going to be that exercise in trust and honestly, an exercise in self love and that you love this relationship enough that you just want it to yeah, be, yeah. you the know, compassion there. Mm-hmm. healthy. Yeah. So it's, but I can see where it might be a little uh, confusing. Well, yeah. and the testing is not a punishment. Right. Right. It's not because anyone's doing anything wrong, it's a really smart thing to do. Yes. It's a smart to be proactive. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of people, especially individuals who are HIV positive and individuals that are using PrEP, Mm -hmm. are seeing their doctors two to four times a year and regularly getting screened for STIs and HIV, as well as cholesterol and kidney functioning and all that good stuff. And these are ways of being proactive with medical health. I do want to remind people, though, I really want to remind people, because most doctors don't know this, if you're going to go to a doctor and get screened for an STI, if you ever, ever bottom, even once, make sure you ask for a rectal swab. Yes. Yeah. Because some doctors will do it, but some doctors will not. Yes, and some and doctors if you still ever don't bottom, think about it. And you mm-hmm. have an STI in your butt, mm-hmm. a lot of doctors won't check there unless sure. you tell them to do it. And then you're really not being screened if they're not looking at it. Right. That so, is such, such an important thing to say, too, because we don't think mm-hmm. about it. We don't think about. Yeah. I, I want to say the very first time you were ever on our show, that came up, and we started the hashtag check, check your, your butt. butt. Check your because butt because yeah. it was a very important conversation that a yeah. lot of people aren't talking <laughs> about, or even know that they should ask that. Yeah, it's it's a misconception out there, definitely. That exactly. bot- and, and I learned, and uh-huh. I was just went to a conference, a CDC conference in Atlanta a few weeks ago, and I learned that ten years ago that wasn't really even being taught much to doctors. They weren't yeah. even being taught to screen gay and bisexual men 
with yeah. rectal swabs all that often. Sure. Sure. And a lot of them still don't even do it unless they're yeah. asked to do it. See, so you yeah. have to That's take a really your really important part of our sexual health and yeah. wellness. Mm. And I think any couple that cares for one another can be compassionate and loving about having these conversations with one another. Again, not because anyone's being accused, but because it's really wise for all of right. us to be proactive about our health and especially especially about our rectal health. Not just for STIs, but things like anal cancer. Yeah, we yes. want to be paying attention to that. We want to ask for screenings for that, and testing together with a primary partner, I think, can be a very loving way to do that. I, I think that. I think so. That's that's a oh, perfect way to do that. Oh, I love that kind that. of information. Getting out there. Okay. All go. right. Next question. Uh, I have been with my partner for ten years. We have been happy and stable. With marriage being granted in our community, he has started pressuring me to get married. I don't understand why he needs it when we have just been fine how we are. He's adamant, but the more adamant he gets, the more uncomfortable I feel about it. For the first time, I don't feel stable in our relationship. I know I may be overreacting, and I feel he is. What do we do? Woo! What? <laughs> These are such great questions. Yeah. Because in light of marriage equality and the victories right? in the Supreme yeah. Court last June, this is coming up a lot now. Yeah, so this is a, a new, new question. Issue. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing here is that a lot of people, even people who have been together for a long time, have some different values. So I've mentioned on the show a lot about how we are in relationships with people, and each and one of us carry our own values, and our partners carry their own values as well. Mm-hmm. And for some people, getting married is a really, really high value. And for other people, it's like, I don't care. I don't right. want this. I don't need this. So we're seeing people with two different values sometimes finding tension and conflict over the discrepancies. Um, this is where I would implement what I call the five pillars, and I'm going to say them again. Integrity, which is being aware of what your values are. Communication with your partner, using I statements, telling your partner what you think, what you feel, without accusing him of being wrong. Being compassionate with your partner, meaning really listening and really trying to understand where he's coming from and using empathy to understand why he's saying what he's saying. Taking responsibility for one's own mental and emotional health. And then compromise. What is the compromise? Where's the middle ground? How do we find this? My book, Rational Relating, really goes into depth with all of these five pillars. But I think this is one of these things where people are going to have to be flexible and really listen. Why is this important to my partner? Or why is this not important to my partner? Does my partner have some really valid reasons for not wanting to get married? Or does he have some truly valid reasons for choosing and wanting to get married? But we have to listen and be patient and empathic about that. What do you guys think? See, I think that yeah, is a... Hitched. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. I was too close to getting uh, hitched, and I, I dodged <laughs> that bullet. But I think it's very true, because I think uh, we're hardwired, you know, when we're young, a certain way. And it does, like you said, some of us come out of a very, very strict Christian household. And so marriage is, honestly, it's almost like a goal that is just, that's just what you do to be a grown-up. And then if you do, I, uh, so I, my dad was a Baptist minister. And when I got together with uh, my very serious ex, he was an atheist. And that was two worlds that just don't know each other coming together and trying to understand why for me, certain things were important. And for him, they made no sense because in the culture he came from, that's not a thing. And me trying to get out of the, well, you know, you're less than me because you're an atheist. Yep. So <laughs> all my values supersede your yeah, values, which yeah. isn't 
a thing. But I think the hardest thing is to get over, I guess, get over yourself and to say, I've got to figure out why this is filtered through me so mm-hmm. important. And you're right. It's all about that communication. We did not communicate well, which is why we are no longer a we. Um, to talk yeah. to each other and respect where each other were coming from so that you can do that very important pillar you mentioned, compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, to hear, truly listen compassionately, and then to find the compromise in it. Because it really is two worlds just digging their heels in saying, hey, this is what I think and why it's important. That's what you think and neither of us are. Hey, you know what's like yeah. our government? It's yeah. how our government works right now. Yeah. No one wants <laughs> to talk to each other. Yeah. We yeah. just want our way. Well, and I think that's a problem. Right. With, and when we yeah. engage in differences in that way, we create resistance. Right. Yes. You know, right. So we, instead of creating more understanding, we create more strength in one's position against the other when we sure, go at it sure. in an aggressive, attacking manner. Yeah. And in a relationship, I don't, it, that doesn't work in politics, clearly, but it <laughs> definitely does not work in a relationship. Remember, we're talking about a relationship, mm-hmm. right. not a one person ship, not the other person ship, but yep. a relationship. Ship. Exactly. That means relating together to drive the ship. <laughs> when I tell couples all the time, there's two people driving the ship, and there's so that means neither one of you are going to get 100 percent of what you want. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You decide whether it's a cruise liner or the Titanic. It's up to you. Right. So. Yeah. Right. You know, I personally, and and I do come from an intact home, and my parents have been married 50 years, and they're amazing people. So I know the value of marriage. Personally, yeah. I don't have any interest. Right. in engaging in a marriage, mm-hmm. unless there is, at some point in my life, a very valid legal, financial, or medical reason to do so. Right. And then I could see the advantage. But even though I grew up in a family where marriage was, was really respected, I personally have no desire or need to, uh, to have that with anybody. Right. Yeah. But I think we're all different in that yeah. way. And that would just be how I would talk about my values if this came up in this kind of situation. Sure. Sure. It's tough. All all I see, so I've been single for a little while now, and I'll read the questions that we get for uh, for Dr. Damon, and um, it makes me go, I don't think I'm ready to get back in there. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot of work, huh? It does. (laughs) Well, remember, too, relationships can be so joyful. There can be so much fun. There's a lot of pleasure. And when they are, we're not going to hear from those folks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're doing just fine. (laughs) Yeah. So last question here before we uh, wrap it up and, and let you go for the Sunday. Dear Damon, I know this may be a stupid question, but when you meet a guy, when is it the best time or appropriate time to mention your status and ask about theirs? Wow. Well, first of all, that is not by any means a stupid question. And I want to remind people there are no stupid questions. Right. So if you're asking a question, it's not stupid. And it means that probably there's a lot of other people who have the same question who don't always, who are not brave enough to ask it. Exactly, um, right. So in terms of status, whether you are HIV positive and some people on PrEP are struggling with the same issue, it is really a personal preference about what you're comfortable with as far as disclosure. Um, I think for individuals who are living with HIV, they often feel better disclosing this earlier than later because if you're going to encounter someone who is prejudiced and going to reject you because of your HIV status, Mm -hmm. that it is better to know that before things get more serious and before you get more emotionally invested. And this way you also have a filter system. If people know right off the bat you're HIV positive, then you're going to filter out the people who can't deal with that or are going to use ignorance or fear to guide their actions. You're going to know that right away. 
and not have to deal with the, the consequences of that later. Um, but if you're going to disclose your status, if you are HIV positive, you may also have to be or do some education. Some of that education includes letting them know about a study called the HPTN052 study. You can Google that. Um, Google that and undetectable because what that study did, and this just came out in July of 2015, there was not one documented instance of an HIV-positive individual with an undetectable viral load transmitting HIV to a negative person. Yes. And what we are seeing now in more and more of the research and more and more of the literature is that mm-hmm. HIV-positive individuals who have an undetectable viral load appear to be either medically unable to transmit HIV or the risk is nearly zero. Right, sure. And so you may, if you're in a position where you have to do some education about this, to someone you're interested in or someone you're dating and they're open-minded, you might just want to say, hey, you know, right now, who do you think you're more likely to get HIV from? A guy you meet on, on a dating app who says, hey, baby, don't worry, we don't have to use condoms because I'm HIV negative. Right. Who actually might be positive and not know it. Or a guy who says, hey, I'm HIV positive, I take my meds every day, I'm undetectable, and I cannot transmit HIV to another person at this moment when, my, when a doctor is monitoring my viral load and saying I'm undetectable. Who are you more likely to get HIV from? Right. The, yeah, the so guy who knows. I the guy who told you. Yeah. I think if you're going to have a conversation like this, yeah. it's better and, and actually easier for everyone to put it out there earlier than later. But what do you sure. guys think? Well, I think, and actually, we just had a listener comment that says uh, that they disclose that they're on PrEP early on. He feels that it shows that he's more responsible to the person he's seeing, and he actually respects uh, the person he's seeing if they disclose their status early on. He just feels like they're they're taking you know responsibility and being more. Uh, you know, responsible in the relationship, respecting that. Yeah. So that was a listener comment that just came in about that. And I think I That's think great. I agree. I agree. I think I agree with that as well. I think the earlier you disclose it, all of all of those factors go away. And like you said, you do filter through anyone yeah. who's not going to take you seriously. Because why borrow potential worry exactly. later yeah. or potential stress? Mm-hmm. Because then you're into that person so much, and then you're just you know it hurts. Sure. Sure. You know, why do that? Yeah. But, and I think, you know, and we've touched on it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying that for me, as an HIV negative guy who's always dated HIV positive guys, even before we ever had med, back mm-hmm. going back to the 80s and 90s, I've always admired and respected individuals that would just say it up front. Like yeah. That. Yeah, and then you know how to move forward, and you everybody's comfortable, and it's, it's part of that, you know, talking every time you're on about mm-hmm. integrity, having that integrity yeah. in the, you know, whatever level of relationship you have begun, uh, you know, from beginning to middle to end, whatever, it's having that integrity, which, you know, I know is scary at times, but uh, way more worth it in the end for, you know, what what can happen. I have to say what I love is there's always new things brought up and one of the the two new things we've talked about in this in this segment this time is, you know, this new the new issues that come with having marriage equality. And then dating now that, you know, there are prep out there and uh, HIV viral loads being undetectable are so much more common than they used to be. I mean, these are two things that as we as our community gets older, that are new things we have to deal with on a relationship level. And that's, it's kind of exciting to talk about those things. I think so, too. I think, you know, 2015 was a breakthrough in so many ways in yes. terms of learning yes. more just about the research and the science behind mm-hmm. PrEP and around being under 
and starting to get the word out around that. I think 2016 is going to be this new opportunity for all of us um, to really evaluate what do we do with these choices. We have marriage equality now. We have undetectable as nearly zero transmittable virus, you know, to HIV now. Right, we have yeah, PrEP, yeah. which is nearly zero if you take it every day, and nearly zero possibility one could become HIV positive. Sure, and sure. what do we do now? We have all these options. What do we do? As right. we've seen with some of these questions, for some people, these, these choices are going to bring up some more tension and some more stress. And that's understandable. Right. What we just want to do is, is not make rash decisions, mm-hmm. not react, and continue to communicate with our yes. partners or yes. potential partners and, and have integrity. Like you guys said, mm-hmm. you know, just have integrity around your value. Well, and keep having those. Who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep having these conversations. That's how it all helps. So thank you so much for coming on our show uh, to help us start and continue those conversations. And help us we, learn. I'm and thrilled, guys. Very we thrilled. love it. And we're going to have you back because we never we never can get enough never, so, ever. of these. We'll just keep throwing questions at you. You're insatiable. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's true. Thank you so much, Damon. And we will talk to you in the very near future. Awesome. Happy New Year, guys. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. If you uh, just listen, that was Damon Jacobs. He is a relationship and therapist, uh, sex therapist from New York. He has two books out. Please feel free to go to Amazon.com in any bookstore and look for Rational Relating, which is one of them that he spoke about. Uh, spoke about. We have so much fun when he's on. Send he's your amazing. questions to amazing, producer amazing. at HotMessSunday.com. We're going to take a quick break. We are. Before we bring on our guest of the, of the hour, our special guest, um, that we're going to have on Logan Land. We're going to listen to one of his songs right now before we bring him on the we air. We are. We're going to ta- uh, listen to Everything You Touch Turns to Gold. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. And we are very excited to welcome back to the show because sometimes guests like us and they come back. But we have on the musician, the songwriter himself. He has a, out a new single has been dropped, the one which we're going to play later in the hour. Uh, Logan Lynn is back with Outspoken. Are you there, Logan? Hi, guys. Hey, Hello. Logan. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? We're snowed in here in Portland. So. Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. Portland, Portland? and snow? What, yeah, what just happened? I woke up and it was a blizzard and <gasps> oh. all the streets are shut down. You know, Portland goes yeah. kind of wild when it snows. Oh, oh yeah. It's it's <laughs> a lot. It reminds me of Seattle. Yeah. And I, I just have to say, that, so that I, never just, happens. I just came huh. from Wenatchee, which is in the middle of Washington, and my sister and her family are from Portland. Sure. I'm glad they chose not to go home because right. they were just talking about all the rain lately. But yeah, now, people are stuck. I think people trying to fly back in are stuck sure, wherever they are. Sure. So wow. Pretty special. Oh, wow. Well, hey, Sorry just to hear look that. out the window, enjoy the beauty, and yeah. let's talk about the fun part that's going on right now. Totally. I'm addicted to your new single, The One. Thank you. That's good. A good addiction, I hope. It's a great addiction, not to mention <laughs> the video is so cool. It's yeah. sleek and has a fun vibe to it. But the song gets stuck in your head. So yeah, can we talk but, about what made you choose, because you have a new album coming out this year, what made you choose this one to be your big New Year's Day release? Because we know how busy you are. How did this all come to this point when it's finally when it's finally at the, the dropping point? Sure, sure. So um, this is like kind of just a leak, right? Like the record comes out this summer, mm-hmm. but... Um, we wanted. I realized it had been kind of a while since people had heard anything from us, and I. Um, it's going to be a big year, so I wanted to make sure we started it uh, kind of in a big way as well. 
um, I, I did kind of pull the brakes on on my record just a bit doing this Keep Oregon Well um, mental health advocacy mm-hmm. work this past year. Sure. So we slowed things down, um, but but now it's it's almost done, and so it's time to start sharing it. It's exciting. Exactly. Now let's start with. We're just going to talk about this single for a moment. Let's talk about. Your music is very confessional. Where yeah. did, or at least allude to, where did this the story of the lyrics and the one come from? Well, I mean, my last record was all about kind of realizing that um, my relationship was ending and mm. um, that things were changing uh, faster than I could kind of keep up with them. And um, and then, you know, it did end. And, and so this <laughs> this record is, is sort of about me picking up the pieces and, um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a departure musically um, and maybe lyrically a little bit as well in that um, I've had a really good year and it's been really hopeful. And so while, you know, the breakup did happen and that mm-hmm. was really rough, um, my life didn't fall apart. I actually, my life got better. And, and so... Um, I think that's reflected in the music and the song. And, and so the lyrics, obviously, it's a breakup song. Right. Um, but it feels to me um, more empowered than breakup songs have been in the past in my <laughs> repertoire. And um, it feels also, you know, fun at the same time as being about about change. Right. And I know I read that you, you talk about this record as it's it's kind of like the map of a relationship. It's about the beginnings and the ends, and it's the whole kind of, uh, I guess, emotional roller coaster that it just is. And I know that you mentioned that this, uh, the one was kind of like, is this true what I read, is kind of like an homage to, of course, the Dandy Warhols, which uh, you, of course, have a lot of history with and you yeah. are very connected to them. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think anybody who's ever listened to the Dandies' music um, probably only has to hear the first, like, eight bars of the song to understand um, what I mean by that, in that it's really sonically inspired by yeah. um, a sound that I used to really hear from them a lot uh, mm-hmm. when we were uh, playing together and, and sort of in the same spaces a lot. Um, it, it left an impact on my life in a really good way um, when I was really young, and so... Uh, and, and with Gino as well, my collaborator, mm-hmm. he he also grew up listening to them. And so, um, you know, well before I was label mates with them or signed with them or friends with them, um, I was listening to them. And, and I think this record, I've tried to, you know, we kind of took out the dance music, we took out all the bells and whistles and just sort of focused on trying to make the best songs we could and, and have it all start from me um, and sort of begin in my head and go from there. Um, and that's a different process. So a lot of what was in my head is this music from the 90s and, and the early aughts, uh, Liz Fair and Dandy Warhol, oh, yeah. just the, the things I grew up listening to. Um, and it feels to me like we've been able to encapsulate sort of where I'm at um, personally and musically with also all these great things that I love from, from my history in the world. Right, which is amazing. And you you're always really good at bringing your life kind of into that. I really think that's why people connect so much with you um, sure. is that it's very, it's very personal. Talk to us about why, uh, you know, like you said, you had kind of pressed the brakes a bit and why you've chosen this summer to release and why you wanted it to wait a little longer to you, to you did that release. I know so many things affect release dates and, you know, being on a record label, not being on a record label, hitting the studio. What made you want to hold off till the summer of 2016? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's really important, right? Not that my other records haven't been important. They all have, but this one feels especially important somehow. Sure. Um, and the songs feel really special to me. Um, and so I wanted to make sure we could do it right. And I knew um, when I started with Trillium, doing the Keep Oregon Well mm-hmm. stuff, being a chief there, doing this mental health work really full time, um, I knew that I wasn't able to do both things. Right, so, right. So I needed to kind of schedule things out and just focus on um, Keep Oregon Well. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've had like upwards of 100 shows this year for that, wow. different concerts with bands. And yeah. so I've been really busy. Um, <laughs> and it, it feels to me now that things are calming down or, mm-hmm. or at least that I've built capacity in advocacy world where um, I can shift focus again. Summer is good for me because it's a slow time i i can sort of use my vacation to go on tour and do things right. like that so. sure yeah well how's that been like you know being working with music and you know doing doing all of your stuff and then all of a sudden you know you're you're working with keep Oregon well you're working with you know mental health and trying to balance that what has balancing that been like and what has your experience and you know work with or keep Oregon well been like yeah, I mean, uh, it's been awesome. So, you know, uh, it was my brainchild. At one point, the first the first week I was yeah. doing this um, advocacy work with Trillium, uh, the CEO said to me, um, surely if we can get a whole uh, state behind um, Keep Portland Weird, uh, then we could get, get everybody behind Keep Oregon Well, too, right? And I, at that moment, I thought, yes, we can. <laughs> and so um, I started working with different bands like Walk Off the Earth and Of Monsters. Yes, and, yes. Um, just tons of people, uh, Dandy Warhols being one of those bands, uh, to, to have these concerts um, that are designed to raise awareness about mental and behavioral health um, and also fight stigma, right? So it's, it's like we're trying to make mental health cool. Watching all these kids, I partnered with Bleachers and Charlie XCX this summer on a show, and it was so cool to watch these 14-year-olds lining up to to basically, um, you know, stand up and say, it's okay to talk about this stuff, it's normal, Jack Antonoff and Lena Dunham and these people are are talking about it, and I love them, and so I'm going to also talk about it. It's so powerful, so um, it's been really cool, I've I've felt very useful, Um, and you know, I will say, like, Hugh Center and, and the LGBTQ activism work that I was doing for so many years was really hard um, in that, you know, when you're working with a community who is constantly um, traumatized and put upon and oppressed, there's this pain that, that that exists in every corner of every room that you're trying to do work in, and and it's really hard sometimes to surmount that. And so, um, you know, it's been kind of good to step out of that. And even though I'm, I am a person who um, has a history of uh, mental and behavioral health care challenges, it's, uh, it's different than gay, right? Like right. every moment of my day wasn't, isn't about my identity right. anymore. And, and before it was, L- LGBTQ work is was all about me and the cause, but also when people were homophobic about the cause, I I took it really personally because it was about me and my humanity. So um, I think that that has been really cool and relieving, and I've been able to do LGBTQ activism in straight world in a way that I was never able to do before, so that also feels um, cool and useful. I don't know. I don't think I knew what to expect when I accepted 
the job, right? Like they came to me after I had worked on Cover Oregon and done some advertising stuff for the mm-hmm. state rollout of Obamacare. Um, and it was kind of a, a gamble. I don't uh, whether it would work or not, but it has, and it's been really great. The people at Trillium are lovely, and um, it's cool to watch the conversation change. I'm partnered with an author named Sheila Hamilton, who just mm-hmm. had a book come out called All the Things We Never Knew, which is about um, her husband killing himself and their family putting the pieces back together. And so she and I have been going around doing these shows and having these public conversations, getting people to talk about this stuff that that has, in my life at least, been sort of um, buried. I've always tried to shine light on um, you know my struggles with addiction as a as a point of starting these conversations. So to have that be my job is like you know phenomenal. Right, bringing it together. Now, I know you've even said in the past what we need to do is change the perception of mental health. Why don't you know you talk about why don't we as a society approach it as we approach the importance of our physical health? Do you right. think that that the work you've been doing there, you've been able to see that? that perception is changing like you said the youth are coming out to to these shows you've done do you do you see that there's hope that the perception yeah. can and is changing absolutely um you know having a post named our campaign number one of the um top things that's been going on in, in mental health stigma this year um and there's a lot of other campaigns on that list right i mean it was it was cool to be like oh we're you know be recognized for what we're doing and also mm-hmm hopeful to see that that other people across the nation are doing stuff not exactly like us um right. but 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 in their communities are bringing this stuff out bringing it to light starting these conversations so that it does become normal um that that thing where people stop asking what's wrong with everybody and start asking what has happened to everybody is sort of right. at the root of of this work that I'm trying to do in building a trauma-informed community or talking about mental health on the radio or, you know, right. uh, using music to fight stigma. It's it's all about changing perception, and I think that happens over time. Right. Well, and you've always been known as an artist that... Um you you know you do your music which is amazing but then you have these passions you know music is a passion and then there's these other passions there's just like large parts of your life of course like you said the the activism work in lgbt and then mental health uh issues do you find those as uh you get more work in those worlds do you find them seeping into what you write and your music and your art i don't i don't know if it has affected it um, more because my my art and my songs have always been about that, right? Sure, <laughs> right. But what's cool is um, I think the reception of um, from me talking about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. has changed. You know, at least with my audience, I, I can I basically can gauge that and what what people are talking about publicly right. uh, around stories I'm involved in. But it feels to me like my audience of people is totally on board and liking and sharing things and. And coming forward and posting on my page about their own struggles and their own, um, you know, experiences of stigma or mental health crisis. And, and that's different. You know, before it was the, the same group of people really wasn't talking about that. And so I feel like I've done something there, um, at least with my people, that's been really cool to watch. Well, watching your Facebook page is always, first of all, always fun anyways, because I, I love seeing what's going on. But you talk about an outspoken individual. You, <laughs> There are sometimes that there are people out there who 
will just come after you, and you are not afraid to, you know, stand up and come right back. No, I usually just thank them. I mean, not a day goes by where some... I have, like, a whole... I think I probably have hundreds of really conservative people that follow yeah, me on all my yeah. pages just for those moments. Right, right um, of course. And, and I, I guess... You know, there's that whole don't feed the trolls thing. I, right. I don't actually believe in that, though. I, I, a while back, I decided my pages and my public spaces um, were kind of a platform for people to um, have these conversations. And so part of that is um, the, the side that doesn't agree with me, right? right. Like I, I provide a space for that to come to light, and, and people um, are colorful about their disagreement often. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and it gives me an opportunity. I actually am entertained mm-hmm. by it on some level. I think it's right. really painful, mm-hmm. but um, the best way to sort of not be hurt by stuff is to laugh at it. So. That's so true. And there's, yeah, there's always a level of humor you can find in, in a lot of that ridiculousness. Totally. Yeah. That's how Sergey and I deal with everything. It's true. Let's just be ridiculous about it because it's that or cry. So right. we'll, yeah. might as well. We'll laugh. choose the other. You I like all... to do a little bit of both. Re- yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, as l- it's like a good recipe. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. a dash of both. One of the other things you've said about um, before we get back to the music, but that you've said about the work with mental health, uh, especially in our culture, is that you feel like there should be a more holistic approach because there are you know one issue that feeds another issue that feeds you know it's it's we do more i guess um systematically with symptoms than than realizing that it's a bigger picture can you talk to us a little bit about that well sure i mean in my own life for instance like um i was in rehab in and out of rehab for decades basically and um only until that last um, when someone finally said, hey, we're going to stop treating these symptoms and look at why you're using to begin with, sort of get to the root of the problem. Um, I I never got help until that moment. So um, I think part of what I hope we can do is put the head back on the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like understanding that um, mental health is physical health. Your brain is part of your body. I I just don't understand (laughs) the whole thing around like, you know, if you get cancer, your friend gets cancer, Mm -hmm. it's your friend who has cancer. But if your friend um, is experiencing schizophrenia, then all of a sudden your friend is schizophrenic. It's like your whole humanity gets taken away for some reason around issues of brain illness. And it just doesn't make any sense. And I'm never going to shut up about it until it changes. Right. Which is the only way, and that's what we need. It changes exactly. is the conversation. You can't, uh, you can't so. be quiet about it. Exactly, and you know, and I have to say, I've always been fascinated, especially because there's also levels I think in mental health that, so we don't take depression seriously, and even if you suffer from it, we act like you know, oh, depression is just me feeling sad today. Mm-hmm. But seriously, right. it can be a huge problem that you can go in and try to get help for but we don't anxiety anxiety the is same also thing, yeah. the same and the yeah. numbers they talk about are mm-hmm. raising and i don't know if they're actually raising or if it's just people are are finally saying listen this is an issue i have and i want help yeah. but we put these things on different levels so depression let's just you know poo poo it and anxiety oh i just got to breathe more um and there's one level and then you have schizophrenia on another level so we even compartmentalize this very important sure. issue to just kind of we need to take and say, hey, I just need to be body, mind, soul. I, I need to check myself and not be ashamed to go out and seek out the help I need, no matter what level of you know mental illness you think you have. It's just a human thing. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, even like taking mental illness out of it, it's like mm-hmm. mental health is mm-hmm. something we all have. Like yeah, we are all experiencing absolutely. our own mental health all the time. So getting people to even just connect with that it is really, a, it's tricky. And, yeah. and it's just, it, it's a product of years and years of of stigma and, and narratives that, that we have just absorbed and, and it has become our truth. And so, um, you know, in all of those conversations, whatever, you know, whatever kind of brain issues you're having, um, to not talk about trauma and the effect mm-hmm. trauma has or social determinants like poverty and racism, like yeah, all of that yeah. stuff matters. We have to be talking about that or else we're, we're missing the whole thing. We can't just prescribe, prescribe, prescribe and right. not think about why people are sick, why people are suffering. Sure, right, um, sure. It's, it's um, weird and compartmentalized in a way that's actually killing people right now. So. Right. Exactly. Well, it, well, in our in our culture, you know, we're so used to regular checkups at the doctor. You go to the dentist twice a year. You're, you're right. used to these things. But, you know, it's almost stigmatized if you're going to go in for mental health, then you have something wrong. And that's that's the angle we view it at is if you go in there, then you must have something wrong with you. What do you think is, you know, a solution, uh, probably not the solution. I don't know if there's just one, but what's what's a platform or a solution for a national change in that kind of mindset? Well, there are a few bills that are being proposed right now. I know. Yeah. I think we're. I think the great thing is that this conversation has um, turned political on some level as well. So right. while right. some of those narratives are deeply disturbing, yeah. um, a lot of a lot of them are not. The fact that it's happening in, in those circles is really great, I think, to start. Um, but, you know, until we start as a society, stop thinking about people as good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's going to ever really change, right? Because we're in this cycle where people who are hurting hurt other people, and then mm-hmm. we punish them by hurting them, and then they're hurting worse, and so they hurt other people worse. It's like never-ending. So, exactly. Um I think you're right that we have some systemic change to do, and I think we have some voting to do, and I think um, we have some standing up and telling our stories to do. The more of us who say things like, um, I I have depression, or I used to be an addict, and now um, I'm a person in long-term recovery, or, um, you know, my son um, killed himself, and, and here's what my family has learned from that. All of those stories add up to us figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that there are so many untold stories because people are afraid still to tell them. And so I think part of my mission is to just create a space in the world where at least around me and, and in my channels and at, at Trillium and um, with the bands that I work with, it's a safe space to be yourself, be sad, be happy, be whatever you are. Um, the feeling is okay. You know? Right. Sure. And I think it's an amazing sure. conversation that you let your life just be. And I think it's what I th- it's probably what draws me to your music a lot. But let's get back to this exciting new song, the single and this exciting new album as you, you know, continue to try to balance all the things you love um, and come out with, a, you know, better than any of us, the work that goes into the release of this album. When, like you said, the one is sort of a teaser to what's coming this summer. 
Yeah. Are there any other teasers coming, or now is it you guys just kind of hold on and listen to no, the one yeah. for so months? We're working on another video right now mm-hmm. uh, for the next single, which will be out um, in a few months, and then the the record comes out this summer at yeah. some point. We yeah. should have a release date sometime soon. Are you throwing a party in Portland because I'm crashing it? I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> our plan is to throw lots of parties. So. <laughs> I love that. And lastly, I have to ask, like I said, that video is also just as good as listening to that song. It's very sleek. It's got a really good look, like a good, there's a very specific point of view to it, and it's a lot of fun. What, where do you find time as you're still working, you know, your full-time passion job for mental health to shoot a video that is really well produced right um well we shot that in my house so that helped i could be at home while we did it sure, right. whole thing here <laughs> um and matt alber who's like my friend and he's a, a a gay musician as well he and i have fun together when we work on stuff so that made it easy um and also doing this is partly therapeutic for me my life is stressful, just like everyone's life is stressful. Sure, yeah. um, and and that stress can become toxic if I don't have an outlet for relieving it and mm-hmm. releasing it back to whatever had stressed me out to begin with. So music or creating um, short films or writing or you know doing whatever it is that I do at any given time, and there's a lot of those things, mm-hmm. um, that's really uh, that's self-care for me. So. Well, let's remind people, if you don't mind, where they can find out all the goods, the awesomes that is Logan Lynn. Where can they go for the music and just you? Yeah, so everything lives on my website, um, which is loganlynnmusic.com. If you want to learn more about what we're doing with this mental health stuff, um, that's keeporegonwell.com. Awesome. Uh, and I'm on YouTube and Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm, I'm everywhere, so <laughs> type in my name to Google and you'll find me. You'll See, I love that. Google we like it, to call yeah. ourselves media whores, and we're very proud of that statement. So, <laughs> hey, more power to you. We support it completely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday, uh, probably your day off, and talking to us, talking about mental health and uh, your new album and single. So, Of course. Thanks for having me anytime, guys. Absolutely. It is our pleasure, Have and we're very excited because we're going to play the new single, The One, right now on our show. So thank you, Logan. You have a great Sunday. Stay inside where it's warm. (laughs) Gonna. Talk to you soon. Okay, Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You are back with KYRS Medical Expo Can 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And that was Logan Lynn's new single, The One, from the album that is coming out the summer of 2016. As he promised, throughout this next few months, there will be more music. More. Just the full album doesn't come till then. Hey, we just interviewed Logan Lynn. First of all, I had such a good time the first time we talked to him. And this was even more fun. because This we got was to even get... better. Yeah. So for us, I always think about it. When we do the first interview with people... You have to go through the history and the, you know, there's yeah, certain exactly, things you need exactly. to do. So the second ones are sometimes more fun because you get to that's delve done. The so details. you get to, yeah. yeah. So I loved listening to, he has, he's a very smart guy when it he's comes to smart. mental health issues. Yeah. I was, he's very uh, passionate. He's a great advocate for that yeah. issue. I I'll think. tell you. So I sometimes um, pester him yeah. on Facebook or email, and he's always so nice to me. But I really do enjoy. Looking at the interactions he has with his fans yes. on his page, even, like he said, the ones that have a lot to say that maybe are anti-Logan Lynn. Because one of the things Logan does is he's very not afraid to share his opinion. No. about Especially about be. things that he's mm-hmm. passionate about. So I always appreciate that. So please go to loganlynnmusic.com. Check out the video 
for the one. I didn't want to be a creeper, so I'll just do it now. Um, I he told <laughs> you us did he this shot last time. it. I know. Watch right? out. Yeah, he sh- he told us he shot it in his apartment. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That, or in his home. Yeah. That's what he said. Just live on. I didn't, but I was lo- watching the video this week, and sure. I'm like. Hey, I recognize that coffee table. <laughs> I've never been there, I, uh, but he shares pictures from his home on Facebook. That's yeah. why I know. Not because I snuck to Portland. And, <laughs> and that never happened. You know, Allegedly I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced you didn't do that. <clears throat> Last time after he was off air, you proposed to him. I proposed, and then uh, I found was, out later that he, he heard was it. still <laughs> listening. So I, I'm really hoping, really betting that uh, he's, no, he, he stayed is, and listened. Right. He is such a good guy. I love this song because I, I pretend I'm singing it because I would like to know why some of my exes did not realize that I was the one. <laughs> and they but, moved on and were not very good. Sure. Yeah. There you go. But I think, I think you're happier without your exes. I yes. think a lot of them were I crazy. Huge, huge, yeah. Most of them, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's a reason they're exes, right? But one of the things I love that Logan Lynn is bringing to the table, and honestly, the more exposure he gets and the success from these albums and, and that he's had for uh, over a decade and a half and mm-hmm. been able to continue to work and sing and do music and stuff, is that he brings an important conversation to the table, which is kind of a theme for today, which is mental health. You know, Dr. Yeah. Damon was yes. on in the first hour talking about relationship health. It's very much also a part of of mental health mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. physical health and all of it. And so that Logan Ling brings this up. And one of the things I'm always fascinated with is depression and anxiety. Yeah. You know, we have a friend in town who is very open about his anxiety. Very. And I have learned a lot because he is willing to just say, hey, this is a thing I have to deal with. Yeah. Talks yeah. about going to the doctor and dealing with it. You know, because it's just life. This is just my life. Absolutely. And he's Absolutely. very... Uh, uh, outspoken uh, about it, and as he's well. very accomplished yeah. in his life. So his his career keeps going on. Yeah. But he, this is just something that has well, to be part of it. The great thing is that he keeps fighting for mental health yeah, and he things does. like that. You know, uh, Sather uh, was a guest on this show. Yes, a couple he was times. a straight talk. Yeah, guest. he was our straight talk guest. Uh, one of my roommates. He also suffers with uh, cons- a, a, a lot of anxiety and panic mm-hmm. attacks, and so you know it, it affects more people than. Uh, Maybe we like to believe. And if you are to to know Sather on just a you know really yeah. good acquaintance level, yes. a good friend level, you would never, never, know. yeah, you would never know unless you are more there. So what's fascinating is we judge everybody by how we see them. Exactly, we're all you dealing with know. stuff. It doesn't make any of us less. We all have stuff. Yeah. that's going on. Depression is one of they call it the silent you know disease yes. Yes. because most of us don't talk about it. Everybody, I think, at some point deals with some level of it. Right. Um, and then right. some people have to deal with a lot deeper level of it. But we don't talk about it because there's shame. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't want to... I just read an article over the weekend about depression and what it's like from when you see someone going through it from that person's point of view, what they're feeling, why they make the excuse of, I don't want to burden my friends with this right i i'm just gonna be i'm gonna figure it out and how that can work for some people for some people that's dangerous yeah and what we need to look for as people when we see it and Mm -hmm. what you can do Mm -hmm. that's not too invasive that's just you know can be part of it and i I don't know. I found. I figure I must have been having to read those things because this was such a good interview with with logan lynn to talk about those options i go ahead and you know and it's those things that are so important to talk about because not a lot of people know about that. Not a lot of people no. know the things. And like you said, there's a lot of stigma. There's a mm-hmm. lot of 
uh, you know, negative uh, negativity around depression and anxiety. And the more we talk about it, the more we get it out there, mm-hmm. the more we can actually well, educate ourselves on Both that. you and Logan made a point in mm-hmm. that whole conversation. I bo- You both made them at different times, which I found. I always find it fascinating when people come to a conclusion. Yeah. But they don't realize, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you both said something that's very true, is we basically dehumanize another person and punish them that way yes. yeah. for mental health. We do. Oh, you've admitted that you're depressed and you're doing this. You've admitted you have anxiety. Maybe you've admitted that you are. You have, like he said, we tell mm-hmm. someone they're schizophrenic, but we tell someone who, you know, you have the flu. You know, there we don't, we dehumanize and we make it. We make it define who that person is, right, and we right. dehumanize through that stigmatization uh, that person's life and just what their struggle is. All of us have some struggle, and right. this is theirs. Right. And he's right until that changes, that perception changes, it's going to be a problem. I had recently met with some people from the American Diabetes Association. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear mm-hmm. us on our show talk a lot more about them, because this year... Last year, we partnered with the Brain Tumor mm-hmm. Association. This mm-hmm. year, we are partnered with the American Diabetes Association. Um, they're going to have a lot of things that we're going to do during this year. One of the things in my meeting with them that went on, it was a few hours that we had a meeting, was they said that I wasn't aware of. People with uh, ongoing diabetes that have had it for a, lo- a while develop depression if they didn't have it already, or it can make it worse. It's part of, it's a hand in hand. Really? No idea. Yeah. No idea. And I still don't know more, and I want to learn more. Right. What is that? But we're going to learn a lot more about the American. There's going to be a lot of About diabetes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of them is we're going to be part of their bike ride. Yes, the Ride for the Cure. Which is going to be up. I know it's up in Tour Airway the Heights. Cure. Yeah. That's what it is. There we go. Tour de we Cure. ran a 5K. Now we're going to bike something. Yes, we are. It, it's, it's long. It's like 50 miles. <sighs> yeah. So well, I, um, we, And we're, you we're just killed mo- Curter by saying that. I looked into it. You know, actually, it was on the exact same day that uh, we did the uh, BT5K last really? year because I signed up to do it, but then I couldn't because oh. we were already doing the See, that's BT5K. amazing. This is what I have to say. Yeah. I remember the training. I was thinking this whole time, hey, Curter, we'll have it easier this year because it's just riding your bike for five miles. Now we just found out yeah. we're going to have to train again. <laughs> it's it's a lot of training. You, it'll but be I'm fun. in. It'll be fun. I'm excited Well, and for you it. know, half the time on the bike, it's downhill, so you're just coasting. I love you know, that, right? Yeah. It's But that's what also <laughs> killed me during the run yeah, was, was the uphill down, part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, I do have to say, you know, I came out l- this last year as mm-hmm. being diabetic. Yes. So this is something that's near and dear to my heart. And I'm really excited because in 11 years, I have learned very little. Yes. Now you can learn partly very Partly my lot. fault, partly yeah. that the way the healthcare system has been uh, put together did yes. not does not make it easy to learn. But uh, we're just going to learn together. We're actually going to meet with their uh, one of their big nutritionists. And we're going to, sh- you and I are going to shoot a nice little healthy video. Oh, yes. Yes. And yeah. so... I'm going to be just there the whole time going, make it taste good. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it tastes good, we're good. And Low portion sugar, control yes, might exactly. be a, an and, issue. And see, and that's the thing. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ways that we can make this more friendly. You know, mm-hmm. we can make entire cooking channels, entire cooking shows that help you out. And, you know, that Maybe. gives you the options that taste good right? and that are good and for you. And how about, as a country, a big movement being, exactly. let's make healthy yeah. food not cost so much. And there it is. You know, our, our this is a big, big, big problem right now. Money is a big problem. Big yes. money is a big problem. Mm-hmm. But Big Agro has now uh, cut our food prices 
on things that are bad for us by yeah. so much, right? By it's so, so much easy. that it's unaffordable. It's not affordable for us to go and buy anything. A bag but? of apples, yeah. a, a stick of a mm-hmm. celery. You know, it's, exactly. You could rather buy Twinkies. <laughs> I'm at I'm at my mom's house <clears throat> yeah. and I'm watching my niece. Yeah. Um, and my sister's kids love vegetables and fruit. And I'm watching my niece who wants a snack. <laughs> the the other kids are like, ooh, you made chocolate chip cookies. They're eating that. And my niece is just cutting an apple. And I'm like, I feel like you're an alien. I do not even understand <laughs> you right now. She How just I'm... wants that apple. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, hold up. you know, I'm not young enough to start over, but let's teach our kids right from the beginning. Yes, exactly. And then I, w- I want to give that's, a shout out amazing. to our friends that's over amazing. at Boots. Um, yes. We go there a lot. Yes. I have to say, I tell the story every time I see mm-hmm. like new members of my family or whatever. I tell the story about how you took me the first time I ever went to Boots. You yeah. took me there. Yeah. And not until we walked in the door did you tell me that it was vegan. Right. And I, I wanted to cut you. Yeah, right there. Because I'm like, <laughs> but see, I knew you weren't gonna go. Right, I, I was. Det- go. I was yeah. like, this is gonna be ridiculous. Yeah. I have to say, first of all, if you've never been there, yeah. please go. It's on Main Street. It's amazing. Um, the food, yeah, is yeah. really good. It's really like, good. Even the stuff you can make unhealthy vegan food, yeah. but even the stuff <laughs> yeah. that is really healthy is delicious. It's so good. The owner is brilliant. It's mm-hmm. all her recipes. Mm-hmm. So if my challenge to this American diabetic lady nutritionist is if you can make a taste as good as the vegan food that I have learned is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Then, okay, we can have a deal. Exactly. Right? And, and see, that's the thing. We've learned that yes. the things that make your food taste good are butter, our sugar, <laughs> yes. our fat, our milk. My our de- sister just no. found out she has to get rid of gluten and everything. There you go. That's go, hard. I go, have you learned that gluten is Latin for <laughs> delicious? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because now it's uh, like, and so she, it's been a rough. Stuff. Yeah, it's been rough on her as yeah. she actually she I don't know what she has, but it's not just gluten. Like <clears throat> sure. she's naming the things she can't have, and I'm like, can you breathe? Yeah, yeah. is that allowed? Because <laughs> yeah. what can yeah. you have? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, you can be allergic to soy, to dairy, to yeah. gluten, to all those. You can still have coffee. There is not an allergy to coffee. And all and I have to there say is that's the best thing I've ever heard because right. we all know yes. coffee. I Just made a comment. My sister's coming yeah. home from work and I'm like, is she, and she was going to get coffee mm-hmm. and I asked my other sister who had been talking to her, is she bringing a gift of coffee? Because if she's not, someone's in trouble because yeah. I will get, you don't bring coffee near me and uh-uh. didn't bother to share. Yeah. So, so they went out and got me coffee. But I'm Good. grumpy. Good. <laughs> yeah, you and your coffee, you better get you some. Otherwise, uh-uh. I love it. Okay, you know, we're going to play one last song of Logan Lynn's, and then we will wrap up and leave you be. But yeah. this is going to be his cover of We Can't Stop. That is Miley Cyrus's uh, song. So here it is. You are back with KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this was Outspoken. We were talking today with Garrick. He talked to us a little bit about his upcoming EP, yeah. uh, Save the King, Volume, volume 1. Volume 1. And we played his new single. And we played his new single. international right now, which is Save the Queen, which he thought was funny, and I do too. Because, <laughs> you know, we're all gay Because, exactly. Save the Queen. Right. And, of course, our we love the segment we have, Let's Talk About Sex, with Let's Damon Jacobs, sex. relationship sex therapist, out of... Uh, out of New York. He has yes. some great books out. I cannot wait to read them. Anyways, he took your questions this morning on relationships. There were some really good questions. There were some uh, excellent questions. That we're learning, you know, that we all have to learn. Relationships take work, just like anything else. So they do. Remember, he does Let's Talk About Sex with the Outspoken Voice once a month. So in four weeks, 
He's send, back again. And send in your questions. We can get them. And the learning didn't stop there on our show. We talked to Logan Lynn a lot about his mental health advocacy and the work he's been doing then, as well as his upcoming album coming out this summer and his single that he launched on New Year's. I know. Very cool. It's called The One. So definitely one. check him out. We'll have all of this information available for you on our Facebook page, or you can always go and see us on our website, which is hot messsunday.com. It tells you everything that's happened. You can listen to old shows. You can read what Siri and I think about anything, really. Anything. And you can find out what's coming up next. So for the month of January, we're going to have, next week, we're going to have Miguel Angelo. He is an artist we spoke to briefly uh, from Spain a few months ago. I think it was the very beginning of December. We're going to talk to him more about his new tour this year and more songs that he has coming out. He's very talented. And on that show, we recently talked to Charlie David, who was part of the movie Paternity Leave, which we enjoyed very much. We're going to talk to his co-star, Jacob York, will be on that show. Hey, lots of fun things coming to Outspoken this year. Lots of big changes that you will be noticing. But as always, we're going to bring you the best shows uh, that we have for the 2016 season. So stay tuned.